Welcome to the Fifth Estate. They bring you the story. We bring you the truth. The Fifth Estate is the news behind the headlines, holding those in power in check. And now, with the real story, here's Cameron Blewett. Hello, Victoria, and thank you for joining me here again on another episode of the Fifth Estate podcast. On this episode, Robin Tudor joins us again. We're hoping to talk about the Wu-Flu amnesty, a little bit about transhumanism, and if there's any time left, a little bit of a conflict that's going on overseas that's having a major impact on the world. So thank you for joining me here, Robin. How are you? I am well. Thanks for having me back on. That's right. And who are you for those who came in late? Who am I? My name is Robin Shooter, and by profession, I suppose, I am a health practitioner. And in the last couple of years, I've become a de facto journalist, a citizen journalist. How do you describe these things? So I write a Substack, which I launched because of uh, because of the whole, you know, scandemic issue. And it turns out that a lot of people are rather interested in reading what I have to say. So that Substack has just got bigger and bigger and bigger, which is nice to see. So, yep. Full-time uh, health practitioner, part-time citizen journalist. Okay, I think um, most of them, most of us have been, or uh, those who were able to uh, retain the ability to think critically, have become sort of uh, citizen journalists, or, or um, for want of a better term, the fifth estate, because um, the traditional fourth estate has let us down. Um, so badly, yep. unbelievably, tragically badly. Yep. And talking about letting us down, uh, now that the narrative's changing, uh, they seem to be wanting to have uh, an amnesty of sorts. Uh, when I first heard that, I thought, yeah. Um, now, the more that I think about it, definitely not. Uh, I still don't want to go down the path of show trials because, as we've discussed before, I don't think the, the legal fraternity or the judicial uh, industry in Australia or anywhere else is that competent enough to be able to hold um, genuine uh, impartial trials. Um, yeah, I'm with you on that. So big time. I, yep. I don't think there should be uh, as much as... I understand why people are pushing for Nuremberg 2.0. I don't think that's going to do anything because there's not enough of us who have um, uh, defeated the common enemy. Um, whereas after, you know, when, when the first trials came out, yes, they defeated a, a, an enemy. The whole world got behind defeating that enemy. Whereas yes. if point, we... point taken, yes. I mean, it was very, very clear that the Nazis had lost the war, mm. um, although although you might say they didn't really. They, they just got, you know, Operation Paperclip Verbiage to, yes. to run a whole yes. lot of agencies in the US. But anyway, I mean, uh, certainly in terms of, of Hitler's regime, um, they were comprehensively defeated and, and so we, we are so not in that situation now, given that the people who, who imposed this on us, they're still in power mm. and I don't just mean the politicians, I mean the bureaucrats. Yes, yes. And so, I mean, I don't think that, you know, anything. I mean, my my personal view is um, for, for those of us in Victoria, put Andrew's um, slugger and um, Weimar, the, the little train controller, put them in a nice little perspex box in the middle of Fed Square, 
and they can be um, a, a living memorial about why this shit should never happen again. Um, that's my view. Uh, you know what? Yes, I'm infringing upon their rights because there's no trial by their peers and all that sort of stuff, but at this point in time I really don't give a shit. Um, I yeah. don't care. And, yeah, in, in, in terms of in terms of this whole call for amnesty, the, the notion that we should just, you know, link hands and and sing Kumbaya mm. and say, oh, yeah, because j- just to set context, perhaps for listeners who who haven't really been following this story or maybe have seen some chatter on the interwebs uh, about COVID amnesty but don't know the origins of it. It was th- this this whole storm about COVID amnesties was prompted by an article that was written by Emily Oster, who's an economist, and the article was published in The Atlantic magazine. And in that, she called for, for a COVID amnesty in the sense that we should all just kind of move on from all the, all the anger and all the vitriol and all the divisions that, that were uh, current uh, throughout the pandemic. So all those people who weren't allowed to, um, you know, attend family Christmases or weddings or whatever because they hadn't had the, the jabby jab, all those people who got, you know, been sometimes physically assaulted for not wearing face nappy, Mm-hmm. She's saying, well, you know, you just need to forgive and forget. And we were all confused and we didn't know what was happening with the virus. Yeah, tempers got frayed and whatever. Um, to which my answer is bollocks. Uh, mm-hmm. There wasn't any confusion about what should be done in the event of uh, even a really serious, a much more serious respiratory pathogen than, than SARS-CoV-2 turned out to be. And when I say turned out to be, I mean, let's let's not forget Johnny Anidis, calculated an infection fatality rate for SARS-CoV-2 in, in what, um, was it April or May of 2020? It yeah, was soon yeah. after the Diamond Princess anyway. Yeah. And and he calculated uh, an, an infection fort- a fatality rate of, of 0.26%, right? In other words, just slightly higher than this. Now, his latest population is considerably more than that. But let, let's go with the, with the, 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 the data that were uh, available uh, very, very early on in the scandemic. They did not in any way, shape or form warrant the, the response that was unleashed upon us all. You know, the social distancing, the, the uh, forced mask wearing, the, um, you know, shutting down schools. And, and then, of course, the, um, the supposed vaccine that actually mm-hmm. isn't. So, so th- this is why so many people in what you can variously call the, the, the freedom movement um, are just up in arms about this Emily Oster because, although to her credit, in credit where credit is due, she she was quite early in calling for schools to reopen. But what is particularly distasteful about Emily Oster is that her own uh, calculations, her own data analysis showed very clearly that putting masks on school children made her whiff not a whit of difference to the rates of infection or to community spread. She knew that, she obfuscated her own data, and she argued for the forced masking of children in schools as a way to reopen the schools. Uh, she also, uh, again, to her credit, um, give the devil his due or her due, she did not advocate for mandates for uh, COVID shots. However, she did advocate that people shame anyone they knew 
and and exclude them from you know social events, weddings, funerals, anything, uh, if they if they had not submitted themselves to this experimental medical profession. So yeah, um, basically get stuffed, Emily. No no amnesty for you and and people like you and, and you know people worse than her for that matter. That's my rant. <laughs> I mean, I I I really don't know how they can think that, you know, even at this point in time that amnesty would be possible. I mean, mm. con- consider it the other way. If uh, there was a, a group of, of individuals that turned around and, and said, let's, you know, let's call a spade a spade and let's say that hey, if you're mixing with uh, another race, then mm. you're going to get that, um, you know, that disease or, or that illness or, or that colour or whatever it is. Yeah. You know, we can't allow you to come to our part, you know, to our social gathering if you've been in contact with a coloured person. Um, yeah. There is uh-huh. no that's, that's way. actually a top-notch analogy. Yeah. yeah. There I is mean, no way. They were advocating way. apartheid. They were yes. apartheid. And now they want us to, to just forget and move on. I mean, how about all the people who lost their jobs? How about the the uh, the teachers who were sacked? How about all the healthcare workers who had to walk away from their professions because, you know, they knew how to read signs mm. and they they weren't convinced, they were anything but convinced by, by the clinical trials for all the jibby jabs. Um, how about them? Yeah. She, she, she wants them to just say, oh, yeah, oh well, uh, yeah, let's let's just move on. No, no. And apart from anything else, if we don't have some form of accountability, there is no incentive for, for people who willingly engaged in this kind of uh, apartheid, this kind of shaming and exclusion. There's no disincentive for them to repeat it again, and they will. So, okay. so, so what should the accountability be? Yeah, so trials in, are pointless, um, you know. Trials are pointless, yeah. Yep. I mean, yep. uh, you know, as as much as we need to turn around and be the ones who have the moral high ground on this, we can't mm. line them up against the wall and, and all that sort of stuff or, you know, we can't swing them from the highest yard arm. So what else is there? Mm. <sighs> That's a complicated question, isn't it? All right. I mean, let's so let's let's pare this back down to the realm that we actually have influence on, which is you know those those closest to us. And I guess if you divide them into a couple of categories at least, uh, there are those who are still completely uh, bought in to the official narrative, as much as it's absolutely hemorrhaging. It's hard to understand how anyone could still mm. buy into it. But they're out there, people who still believe this stuff. And, I mean, look, it's it's really it's really challenging for, for many people to do this. But um, I, I don't personally think that we should be um, – aiming to just paper this over and say, well, my relationship with you is is more important than this and it's more important than how you've behaved in the past, so I'm just going to forget all about it. Now, you know, people are going to have different views on this, but for me, if someone had excluded me from attending their, you know, their child's christening or, um, or their 
their relative's funeral or whatever the heck because of my my medical status. Uh, I wouldn't be throwing throwing down the welcome mat for them, right? I would be saying, look, you know, this this is an area of significant disagreement between us. It really speaks to a a vast philosophical difference. I'm always happy to discuss this matter with you, but I'm, I'm not going to and I can't pretend that that our relationship is just the same as it ever was before this because you know you've shown your you you you've you've revealed your hand and yeah so by all means you know let's talk about this if and when you're willing other than that I'm just going to keep my distance now um for those who who have come around even even partially I say yeah we throw the welcome mat out for them absolutely you know you you had the first two or three um and now you're wondering whether you should have any more. Come on in. Let's talk about this. Um, even if, even if, you know, we tried to warn them and we gave them all this data, and the only thing that's made them change their mind is they've suffered an injury or you know, they got COVID once or twice or three times despite their jibby jabbies. Um, e- even if that is to happen, as soon as people show a willingness to, uh, you know, to to change their stance, I'm all in favour of of uh, welcoming them back in. But again, I do think that there there needs to be some sort of reckoning, some sort of discussion of how it was that relationships came to be so uh, so strained by by this issue um, because again it, it's it's important to to speak ab- about that which people don't want to speak about so that it doesn't happen again okay so understand that at, at the social communal level um, what do you do for the powers I mean how do you mm. what 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 Accountability is there for people like Supreme Leader Andrews, Al Cho, Brett Sutton, or anything like that, or even Jerome Weimar, who's now the the head of the Commonwealth Games Committee, when they blatantly lied. I mean, Jerome's still on record as saying that um, the Wu flu is that bad for children because there's literally children throwing up in school. I do not know one person that threw up because of the freaking Wu flu. So, and and that was his justification for, for for doing that. Um, it's astonishing, isn't it? So, I mean, what do we do about them? Let's face it, we have no power over, over them. I mean, collectively, people can vote them out, you know, if you assume that the elections are, are fair and free and properly conducted, which I hope to God they are. But, <laughs> but you know, if the majority of, of people are not uh, sufficiently and justifiably disturbed about their conduct, then there's every chance that in the case of the politicians, they will get re-elected. Uh, and in the case of, of people like this, seriously, his name, Weimar, my God, um, mm. but they, they are, you know, they're, they're useful idiots. So they'll be parachuted into new positions where they can, you know, prove to be loyal foot soldiers for the, for the, you know, for the program. So what can we do about them? You and I individually, absolutely diddly squat. Let's be honest here. It's, it's why my focus has really shifted away from dissecting the minutiae of, of, of COVID and the response to it and how wrong it was, because let's face it, we already freaking know that. It's so obvious. Um, my focus has shifted to building or, you know, or, or participating in the building of parallel institutions. Mm, mm. We're not going to change the, the, the school system. Um, the only way that it will change if it's a, is, is, is if a sufficiently large number of parents just pull their kids out of school. Just pull them out. Either 
you know, homeschool them, start homeschool co-ops, uh, send your kids to an independent school that isn't going for this and all things like that's the only thing that's ever going to change. And yeah, it takes a long time to build those parallel institutions. However, um, in my reading of what happened in uh, in communist countries, it was the building of, of parallel institutions that that uh, very likely accelerated the collapse of the Soviet Union and all its, its satellite states, but that more importantly provided something for people to go to after the Soviet Union collapsed. And I, I have no doubt that the current economic order is, is going to collapse. I actually think that its, it's collapse is being deliberately accelerated. Oh, absolutely. And we can, you know, we can talk about why that, why that might be and how it's being done. But uh, so the, the, the current world order, <laughs> to use a phrase, mm. uh, is coming to an end. So uh, we do need to make sure that we're prepared for that end and that we, we have, um, as I say, parallel institutions so that people aren't thrown into poverty and destitution and, and the kind of desperation that would make them willingly accede to the likes of, you know, the abolition of cash and, and the, the replacement of our current monetary system with central bank digital currencies, which are, of course, the ultimate, uh, the ultimate means of, of, of achieving total control oh, over a person's economic and social life. So... Uh, that was a rather long-winded answer to the question. No, no, no. And, and, and it, may, it may seem off topic, but, but as I say, I mean, you know, there's a limit to what you and I can do, even if we're the best political organisers in the world, which I'm not. <laughs> okay, yeah. but I mean, yes, I, uh, when, when there's, there's such a, a power imbalance as you've indicated, that's when there's uprisings. True. And, Very true, without um, a doubt. They're, they're traditionally not peaceful. And and I'm not by any means advocating a violent uprising or overthrow of, of any government, uh, regardless of whether I call them a regime or not. I'm, I'm not advocating for that in, in any way. Um, I'm just pointing out that when there is a major uh, power imbalance and the people feel powerless against their... Uh, uh, political overlords, for want of a better term, then normally is an uprising because it doesn't yeah, last that see, long. We see this happening in Iran. I mean, we see this happening in multiple countries. Of course, Iran is, is just the latest example of this. But even the, the protest, uh, protests that have been going on in, in Europe, uh, they've been out on the streets in, in Germany saying, you know, stop this madness, this, this war with Ukraine. Um, you know, we're, we're starving, we're freezing to death, mm. our, our economy is being ruined. Uh, we, we, of course, have seen the, uh, the protests of the Dutch farmers, which have, which have garnered very widespread public support as well. So, yes, we, we, are, we are at the uprising stage. And, look, I mean, I'm, I'm definitely on board with, with you in terms of not advocating violence. Um, 
I would say that at some point it is almost inevitable that there will be some. It's not that I it's not that I want to bring that on. It's just like, you know, this is what happens because those who hold them into power, they don't willingly give them up. Yes, they yes. don't say, oh, yeah, you're right, you know, oh, how bad. So, sorry that, that we starved you and we made your, your granny freeze to death because she couldn't afford her power bill. Okay, yeah, you're right. We, we've done a really crap job here, have the reins of power. No, they don't do that. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I you know, fully know, but yeah, it, it's it's that thing. I mean, you know, with with the the bullshit laws that are in Victoria at the moment, um, you know, we've seen a uh, Zoe Bueller get arrested. Bueller Bowler, my apologies about the mispronunciation pronunciation uh, of her Bueller, yeah. Um, get arrested by three days for sharing a Facebook post. So, yeah, God forbid yep. what had happened if I sort of any in any way indicated that there was support or that people should, uh, you know, have a violent uprising. So um, mm. I, I don't want to see that happen because that changes society and it changes society in, in ways that are not good for anyone and oh, I don't 100%. want to see that. And, and it also becomes the justification for a more brutal practice yes. by the regime. Yes. And, and, there's, there, and then there's that tussle for power where, of course, they have the military, they have the police. Now at times you can see the, them lose control of the military and police. It looks like that might be happening in Brazil right now where the, the police have actually, you know, crossed over the other side and, and they're, they're joining in with, a, with a, the truck drivers who are um, protesting the, the, the results of the election there where, where Bolsonaro has been thrown out and, re- mm. and replaced by, by Lula. Um, and, you know, I'm not well informed enough on that subject to to weigh in here i know lula was 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 jailed for corruption but whether or not he was corrupt or whether bolsonaro just jailed his political rival i i'm not informed enough on that situation to to say but anyway there's a lot of really upset brazilians Mm. and uh and and those who uh who were who you would normally think of as being on the side of the regime namely the police are actually saying well not so much uh uh, we don't we don't like this lula so yeah Interesting times. It is. It is. Now, um, I did want to do a segue on what we were talking about before into transhumanism, though I think it's going to be a half to be a hard one now. Um, so you did mention something about uh, central bank digital currency, which is how I was going to segue into it. Um, my my thoughts are is that these are all intertwined, that the um, digital voucher system that uh, central banks are putting out and it is a voucher system. It's not a currency. You can't spend it where you want. You can't spend it how you want. The government Absolutely and your employer correct. controls yes. how you spend it. Uh, there is expiration dates on it. There is a limit to what you can buy with it, and things like it, that. It, so, it's fully programmable. Yes, and 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 you're you're 100 right. It's not money. It's not no. a currency. It's a digital it, voucher. It is a programmable. Yeah, it's a programmable digital voucher system. So, uh, with that, uh, my you know my view is that this is leading to serfdom, which in line is going to be part of this whole transhumanism thing because we've seen mm. Klaus and, and his um, sidekick Ari. Is it Ari? Oh, you've the, all know Harari. Yeah, Harari, that's yeah. it. Um, that, that spooky one. Um, you know, they're pushing. He is, he is creepy, isn't he? He is. <laughs> yes. they're, they're, they're There's pushing something that. very disturbing about yeah. that guy. I mean, <laughs> even just with Klaus to, to have the thoughts that he's having in the first place. Mm. Um, now, my 
concern and, and my fear and, you know, you may have to put a tinfoil hat on. I have a, you know, a, a belief that um, our current generation, so the children that are going through the uh, indoctrination systems, commonly called schools, are being primed for that um, mm. because, uh, you know, the, the, the trans, just trans this, trans that, is yes. being thrown out there too much where there's no concern about it. So it's easy to make a jump from transgender, trans trans man, trans woman, trans whatever it is to transhuman. To that, that um, by the way, is not a ridiculous leap and there is actually a, a publication, a, uh, if I recall rightly, I'm just looking it up right now as we speak, there is a book of that name. Mm, um, mm. Uh, it's called... Yeah, the Transgender trans- to Transhuman, the, the Manifesto. Transgender to Transhuman, yes, yes, mm. exactly. And and so, uh, that yeah, that's, that's not a big leap. Uh, Martine A. Rothblatt is the author and Martine is, as I understand it, a, a trans individual, someone who was uh, born... Um, as a man, and then had the various um, procedures to uh, mimic the appearance and, and genitalia and whatever of a, of a woman. Now, I don't consider that that makes Martine a woman. <laughs> um, but anyway, that's, uh, that's my perspective on it. Mm. Um, so, yes, uh, our, our children are definitely being presented with this ideology. They're being presented with it as a fact that... There is that there is that there either is no such thing as biological sex, or that it's uh, it's extremely mutable, and that one can you know simply by taking hormones uh, and or having surgery, one can you know literally change one's sex, which is nonsense. You don't do that. You just change your uh, outward appearance and your uh, to some extent your hormonal function. That doesn't make you a person of the opposite sex. But the whole ethos behind this is that the strictures imposed on us by by our biology, that is, you know, you were born a male, I was born a female, there are certain, you know, biological uh, roles and capacities that, that come with that. So the transhuman, the transhumanists want us to go beyond that. They actually want to uh, take control over evolution they don't want to leave evolution to its you know natural processes anymore they want to uh direct and you might say stage manage evolution and and why well for the purpose of establishing a technocracy mm. so and so those so technocracy and transhumanism are um really just just so intertwined with each other um, okay, so with that, I mean, so many words, so trying to find the right ways to come out. I mean, um, obviously we know the elites and the powerful and the ruling class and, and whatever else you want to call them are not going to uh, submit to this um, because they will want to stay the way that they are, they're not going to get upgraded because they understand the concerns with it, just like I don't believe that they all had a genuine Wu flu shot. I think they got saline solution or what was it? Um, uh, the celebrity shot. Yeah, the celebrity shot. Or, or what, what was an emergency? D5, D, 
PW50 or whatever it was. Do you remember watching Emergency? That um, Californian fire show was hospital, oh, Rampart Hospital? I don't know that I ever watched it. Oh, <laughs> mate, I used to watch it all the time and, and they'd give everyone, um, oh, what was it, D, DW50 or something like that, which was dextrose in 50% water or something like that. Anyway. Oh, righto. So, okay. Yep. So yep. it was just something that they gave everyone and um, for that. So yeah. that's what I think they got. Um, you know, the, the celebrity show. Was, was it better than what they give Biden to sort of render him vaguely coherent or is that something different? I don't know <laughs> what they give him. I actually, it's, it's amazing, isn't it? <laughs> whatever it is, it doesn't act, it doesn't stay potent for long enough. It, it just no, no, fades. No, it's, it's quite short acting. Yes. <laughs> anyway, that was off topic. Um, so, yeah. um, so yes, we'll, we'll be now. Here's where I differ from you because I, I think that many of the, I mean, calling them elite is just a joke because, quite frankly, most of them are, are really strike me as, as, as rather stupid and certainly unimaginative. But I actually think that many of them think that this is just a dandy idea. I mean, you know, listen to Ray Kurzweil for a couple of minutes if he can stand it. Uh, he, he, just, he just can't wait. He can't wait to merge with the machine. He can't wait to upload his consciousness to the Borg or the, you know, the, the singularity or whatever the hell. So some of them are, you know, they do want to rush headlong into this. And, of course, you know, we're, we're likely to see the kind of situation that was portrayed in Gattaca where the, the wealthy can... Um, uh, can afford to have designer children. You know, they they can afford to uh, alter their genes and have all their problems fixed and whatever. Um, and and the poor, of course, cannot. And so they become this underclass. And I think there's plenty among the the wealthy who will say, well, yeah, I'd like to have bionic eyes and um, you know. Uh, a 3D printed replacement heart or whatever the hell. So, but, but for the rest of us, yes, it's got to be, um, here's your, uh, here's your slave chip that's implanted in you so that we, we, we can control the way that you're thinking and feeling and, and, um, you're behaving. Um, so is this serfdom? Are, are they aiming yes. for serfdom or are they aiming for something else? So is it, um, yeah. Okay. The, the Matrix. So, well, I mean, Catherine Austin Fitz uh, has been describing uh, de- describing this as the imposition of of a new and technologically superior form of slavery for, well, for as long as as, as I have come across her, or from the first time that I encountered her, she was talking about this desire to impose slavery, and and she pointed out that slavery has been for human history the most profitable uh, business going. But the the problem that that made it less and less profitable, uh, as, as she describes it, was was the problem of collateral. That you know slaves could die, they they could they could get sick and be unable to work, they could run away, and you couldn't track them. And so you know eventually it it, it came to be that um, actually paying people to do work rather than you know, keeping them as slaves, which meant you had to house them and feed them and look after their their offspring and whatever. Um, uh, that that just that became too expensive, right? So it was replaced by the uh, what was replaced by employment, employing mm. people at low wages to be sure, but but they they were free. Um, and and what she says is that now, thanks to technology, collateral has been perfected. So you you can. You know, uh, if you are 
among this sort of self self-described elite class, uh, you actually do now have the technology to be in complete control of people, or or at least if that has not been achieved yet, they anticipate that it will be. And then where does our humanity go? Well, yeah, I mean, something I've heard James Corbett say more than once is that, you know, his sense is that while ever the human spirit survives, the, the drive for freedom will always, always resurface because it always has. But what happens if you remove the human spirit? Mm. What happens if you do merge man with machine? What happens if you do uh, render people either incapable of experiencing human emotions, including that drive for freedom, or if you suck them into a system whereby all of their reward systems are hijacked, uh, uh, you know, what happens there is, is you, you do destroy the human spirit. And so, yeah, I, I this is this sort of dark dystopian nightmare, but I, is, it, is it possible that that could be done to the, the vast percentage of humans i i I think it might be it doesn't need to be be though it doesn't need to be because there there only just has to be a little point where this transhumanism once the ai becomes sufficiently powerful Mm. that it jumps and becomes instead of the borg it becomes skynet so whereas Uh the borg were essentially cybernetic organisms um whereas Mm. they just turn around and say no we don't want you, and they become mm. the Daleks, or they be just turn around and become Skynet. So they just create machines to wipe out humans because mm. you know we are toxic to the planet. We are toxic to whatever else. And and you know it, yeah. if we've gone down the path of accepting transhumanism, then you know there's not going to be that little bit of a difference between you know you've accepted it, but then. Um, Robots come out, and robots will, you know, surpass the the cyborg, and then it, it just goes on from that. So I, I think, you know, Skynet is closer than yeah. than what we thought. And I mean, even unfortunately, the Daleks still have an organic organic in um, uh, organism inside them, so they're Very not completely true. machine. Yeah. Whereas, yeah, you know, yeah. The, the Terminators are. So, um, you know, that's that's my concern um, that. What that's going to happen? I mean, once you start plugging people into machines, you know it's mm. you know it's it's theorised that fluoride in the water um, calcifies the pineal, pineal gland, gland. Um, yes. makes people more compliant, makes people more accepting, less likely to rebel, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. I've heard that claim in various places, and I, I've got to admit, I've never actually investigated that to see whether it's true or not. I mean. You know, there is there is very little doubt. There's very compelling evidence, in fact, that fluoride does decrease IQ of mm. children. The neurodevelopmental toxin. Whether it has this effect on the pineal, I actually don't know, and I'm not. Yeah. So anyway, I'll, I'll put that on my homework list. Yeah. Look I mean, <laughs> as as I've said, it's been theorised. Um, so. Yeah. Yeah, um, for that yeah I've, I've encountered those same claims and, and uh, I just I don't know whether they're true or false or, or just, you know, still uncertain. Um, yeah, I guess, you know, my, my question is, you know, how advanced are the robotics? I mean, you know, Elon Musk's little whatever the heck he called Starlink. that robot was, was just, oh, it yeah. was so pathetic. And, and I, I wonder, like, is that just a, is, is that being dangled out in front of people so that they think that, Robotics and AI are less advanced than they truly are. I think it um, is. 
Because it could well be the case. Have a look at, um, uh, you know, aircraft, military aircraft. Mm, Like mm -hmm. no one knew the U-2, the TR-1 aircraft existed until Gary Powers was sacrificed as a pawn for Russia. Um, So then that scuttled that program and then Skunk Works created the SR-71 Blackbird and no one knew that was around until it came time to, you know, to, generally, uh, to to the point of decommissioning the program. Yeah, and all of these, um, you know, supposed UFO sightings that just coincidentally occur around military bases. I mm. mean, it's a bit of a clue is that the military has technology that has not been revealed to mm. the general public. And we, we, you know, we have no idea just how advanced that technology is. And I mean, like, okay. If, if sci-fi movies such as, uh, oh, I wouldn't even say sci-fi movies, action movies such as um, 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 oh, I can't remember the last one, the whole Has Fallen uh, trilogy, um, The White House Has Fallen, London's Fallen and then um, whatever the last one was, was. I mean, Ooh, I'm a bit out of touch with all these. Yeah. No, no, no. I, I, it was more about the point of that they were creating swarm drones and mm-hmm, that's mm-hmm. been known. I mean, there is AI technology that they swarm like birds uh, for that yep. one. Well, So, you know, you militarise that and there's no defences against that because you're not looking at one target. Even though they present as one target, you're looking at, you know, 200 different targets, all thinking individually and all that. So I yeah. I genuinely believe that the technology is there. We're not um, – there's – I won't say we're not ready for it because I don't think we'll ever be ready for it. No, I that's, am, that's the whole point, isn't it? It's not useful for it to be disclosed. Yes, yes. I Again, I have no doubt that you're correct on that, that there is so much more that uh, the military-industrial complex has produced and that, you know, the powers that shouldn't be have access to, but that they're kind of, you know, keeping under their, uh, keeping under their hats right now. Mm. I mean, even coming back to the financial sector, um, two or three years ago there was supposed to be a, um, an EFPOS, so you scan a QR code, and it's an FPOS thing, so in, as opposed to using your FPOS card for financial transa- transactions. So that was ready to be rolled out, and then I think that the height of COVID hysteria came along, and people were getting scared of QR codes, so they held mm. back on that. But that technology is already there. Um, the Reserve Bank is currently testing a central bank digital currency on with using the Ethereum network, um, mm. you know, in Australia. So it, it's all there. It's just that it's it's. The I, point. I am somewhat heartened, though, by the fact that uh, central bank digital currencies seem not to be ready. I mean, if you think about it, the optimal time for rolling them out would have been during the scandemic. If, if they had been ready to go, we almost certainly would have had them, you know, quickly imposed just as a part of all the other sweeping you know, social, economical, economic and political changes that, that took place during the scandemic. I mean, for instance, people whose businesses were, were shut down, um, 
would have been told, oh, well, it's okay because here's your central bank digital currency. So, so I mean, from what I have read, and I'm definitely not an expert in this area, from what I have read, there are problems with operability of these systems and particularly uh, interoperability, so the ability of, of, um, of different countries to harmonise their central bank digital currency systems. Yeah, that, that's because it's all trying to operate up with multiple systems. I mean, my thoughts on the uh, implementation of the CBDCs is that it will come a point in time where inflation's gone through the roof, the dollar's been mm. devalued, so then, hey, here's the CBDC, um, central bank digital currency, that's yep. going to replace the Aussie dollar and then there's the redistribution of wealth where those with, let's say you've got $10,000 in the bank, the um, powers that be might turn around and say, well, no, you'll only get nine grand for that. Whereas someone that's got $200 in the bank, uh, you know, the, the powers that be will say, all right, we'll give you, you know, we might give you $400. It's, mm. a, it's a wealth di- redistribution. And it, it hasn't been rolled out because there hasn't been a trigger for it. And as yeah, much you as... Might, you might be right that, that the economic shock of mm. the COVID lockdowns uh, and shutdowns, it, that it wasn't enough to kind of soften people up for this. No, yeah. because you, we you had... Could well be right. We still had, um, you know, uh, electronic banking. So mm-hmm. it's the, my, my thoughts is that it's only when the inflation is sky high and the dollar's been devalued that much, which potentially could happen at the next, you know, at the event or during a, a world war or even at the conclusion of a world war. Um, mm. So all this needs to be reinvented and um, um, what's that other R word that they like to use? Imagined? Um, uh, no, no. Um, 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 computers have that little button. Um, oh, reset. That's it. That's it. Yeah. Things need yeah. to be reset, like a, in, a, in a other great words, reset. In other words, the you know more and more crises just going you know, faster and faster each other's heels. Yeah. Yeah. So now talking about um, world wars, I thought that that would be an easy way to segue into. That wonderful discussion on Ukraine, um, which is absolutely central to, uh, I mean, so many of these issues is swirling around Ukraine and the role that Ukraine plays, you know, geopolitically. So yeah, that's a it's a good thing to talk about. Um, so uh, before we get to that, I'm uh, where was it? Ernst and Young, uh, where was it in 2012? And unfortunately, I'm reading off Wikipedia here, so uh, I do... It's useful for basic facts. Yes. I don't like referring to it all the time. So anyway, 2012, Ernst and Young put Ukraine among the three most corrupt from 43 surveyed alongside Colombia and Brazil Mm -hmm. uh, in 2015. that's, that's really impressive. Yep. 2015, The Guardian called Ukraine the most corrupt nation in Europe. According to a poll conducted by Anston Young in 2017, uh, experts considered Ukraine to be the ninth most corrupt nation from 53 surveyed. Well, um, it's improved. Yes. <laughs> Climbing the looks there. Um, <laughs> mm. uh, according to a Transparency International's uh, 2021 Corruption, Corruption Perceptions Index, a scale of least to most corrupt nations, Ukraine ranked 122 out of 180 countries in 2021, mm-hmm. second most mm-hmm. corrupt in Europe with Russia the most at 136. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, yep. So why are we sending money there? 
Why are we sending money why to we, Ukraine? Why have we got why, anything? Why has Ukraine uh, achieved this this position of, of a central strategic importance and, and worldwide focus? Boy, oh boy. So, yeah, I mean, again, there are so many kind of tentacles reaching out from this. One, I mean, this is this is just in random order, right? But number one, you've got the the, the Biden family's uh, business interests in Ukraine, uh, particularly Hunter Biden, having been on the board of Burisma, mm-hmm. the Ukrainian energy company, and drawing some stupendously ridiculous salary for being on that board while doing, you know, sweet Fanny Adams, as far as anyone was able to figure out. So it, it's pretty, it's pretty obvious that that board position was was simply a way of bundling money, Biden family, you know, for what? For what, what were they doing over there? You know, like yeah. uh, U- Ukraine, of course, has been uh, at the absolute centre of, of all kinds of money laundering. Um, operations, both both you know drug money laundering and, and arms dealing money laundering as well. Mm. Um, the uh, the the presence of multiple U.S. Uh, controlled uh, bio labs, so laboratories that are involved in research on on uh, organisms that that can be used as biological weapons. Dana I mean, there function. are there. Are, yeah, gain of function research, the whole box and dice, all also masquerading biodefense research. In other words, oh, if the bad guys deploy biological weapons on us, then we must have defences against them. But I mean, everybody who's who's got even the slightest um, uh, familiarity with biodefence research knows that it's it's just a front. I mean, this is dual function. They're producing bioweapons and, yeah, I mean, only a fool would, would believe that they're not. So there's all that going on. The Russians uh, have flagged, you know, that they have um, um, overrun many of those biolabs. Now, you know, can we trust the Russians? No, that's a corrupt country too. I mean, mm. I'm not saying I'm not one of these kind of, you know, Putin's the, our saviour. No, I'm not in that camp at all. Putin is 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 incredibly corrupt himself. But, um, you know, where, where did Zelensky get all his money money from? I mean, you know, you look at the value of his real estate portfolio in the United States alone. Well, he was put in there was, by Obama. Yeah. This guy was literally an actor. I mean, he was a comedian who was famous, among other things, you know, parading around in, in, in skin-tight leather pants and stilettos mm-hmm. and also... Uh, you know, uh, uh, mock playing the the piano with his uh, with his private parts. I mean, that's what. And, and you know, aside from that, of course, playing the president in a sitcom. Um, so, for God's sake, how how did a, a person with that kind of background suddenly become a multi multi millionaire? Mm. I mean, come on. So, uh, what else have we got going on in Ukraine? Um, the yes, I mean the whole the whole manufacturing of of, of false or like the the uh, the instantiation of, of false flag um, uh, terrorism and operation that has been centred upon Ukraine is is just, I mean, oh, you know, accusing the Russians of having blown up the the Nord Stream pipelines, it it's just so patently absurd. Mm. The Nord Stream pipelines were basically their bargaining chip. 
Putin was saying to Germany, hey, anytime you want us to, we'll turn the gas back on. How about it? Come to the negotiating table. Why in the hell would he blow up those pipelines yeah. and lose his bargainship over Germany? Yeah. <laughs> it's just ridiculous. So it, it's, it's very clear that NATO forces blew up the Nord Stream pipeline. I mean, Jeffrey Sachs has come out yeah, on television and said so. That, that, that's hilarious. Supposedly it was the POMs <laughs> that did it and they found out um, from from what I've heard is that the Russians found out about that because they um, were able to hack Liz Truss's phone when she mm. was um, Defence Secretary or whatever it was. Yeah, um, well, that's, that's was, interesting, isn't it? Mm. I mean, if the Brits did do it, it was, of course, under the under the direction of NATO and, and the US is the, the dominant force in that. Mm. So, yeah, I mean, it was... Whatever it was, it wasn't the Russians who blew up their own pipelines that they'd invested God knows how many millions in um, and that would, of course, be a, a major source of revenue for them uh, into the future. So we've got that. We've got the, the, the blowing up of the uh, the bridge to Crimea, which, again, you know, um, I the, the Americans attempted just for a brief while to blame that on Russia. It was just so patently absurd, like, oh, they blow up their own freaking bridge into Crimea. So there's all that going on. And then, of course, the, the continued, um, the continual threat of Putin's going to use nukes. Here, you know, Putin's going to use nukes. And it's, it's you can see this, uh, this um, constructing of, of the, uh, constructing of this false flag, right, where the West keeps on saying Putin's going to do nukes, you know, and then, um, they can deploy their own tactical nukes and say, Putin did it, Putin mm. did it, the Russians did it. So, yeah, I mean, as, as to whether as to whether they, those, are insane enough to prompt a nuclear war, look, I don't know, but I honestly wouldn't put it past them. They've got their bunkers, yeah. their underground food, underground food was... Bill Gates has got his underground seed bank... Um, above the Arctic Circle, where he's been stowing away, you know, open uh, open pollinated, um, what do they call like uh, traditional, non-hybridised Yeah, uh, um, seeds. heirloom seeds. Yeah, yeah. he's been, you know, st- uh, uh, stocking those away for, for years in this, um, what's it called, Svalbard or something like that. Um, so they've, they've got their supplies and presumably medications uh, for treating radiation sickness. They've got all that stowed up. I mean, you know, the Kennedy's chiefs of staff were were urging him to to start World War Three because okay they can just retreat into the bunkers mm. and thank God Kennedy said no way fellas you know you're not blowing up the world on my watch I'm not going to be the the president who goes down in history if there was any history after that as as being the guy who presided over over you know the nuclear winter. So thank God that that, that Kennedy um, knocked them back and said, no, we're we're not going to start a a nuclear holocaust over bloody, you know, Russian missiles in Cuba. But, you know, is is going to stop World War III? Come on. Seriously, he doesn't even know what day it is. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he still thinks, what was it, his son died in Iraq? Oh, Um, jeez. It's... It's it's so sad. Like he he's a corrupt old mongrel, yep. right? But it is it is actually really heart wrenching 
man who was clearly in quite an advanced stage of dementia paraded and humiliated on the world stage. Yep. Like if Elder I was his abuse. wife, yep. if I was his wife, I'd be saying, no way, stop this. This yep. is this is just wrong. You 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 can't do this to him anymore. I don't know what the hell's going on. She wants a power as well. Presumably so. And she's happy to see her her husband um humiliate. Mm. I mean it's uh it is it just it makes me wince, even though as I say, um he's a corrupt old bastard. But it's it's still like I just feel for anyone who um, anyone who's ever had a relative who's succumbed to dementia like it, it's just it, it it's it, it's a it's a gut punch mm. to you know to to see him um, stumbling and bumbling and and slurring and oh, forgetting things and just saying crazy things you know I mean get the man out of the public eye it's just not right yeah, yeah absolutely absolutely. Um... On that note, I think we might end it there because um, there's so much. Let's um, with what is it? The midterms coming up um, in a couple of days' yes. time in the US. <laughs> we'll, we'll, well, we're, we're past the point of October surprise. Will yes. there be a surprise? <laughs> well, let's hope there is the red wave and and that um, it is a decent set of Republicans that come in and can yeah. um, uh, change things up and all that sort of stuff. So, anyway, on that note, um, where can people find you, Robin? They can find me at robinfoodandsubstacks.com. That's where you will find my writings. And if you're interested in my health practice, go to empowerfulhealth.com.au. Okay. And as always, uh, there will be links to all that in the show notes. Um, Once again, lovely to have you on. Um, I think we might have to find... Something that we can argue about because I, I I haven't had a good <laughs> argument for a while. Um, oh, so you know, I, we can probably come up with something. We will let's, have let's to dig up some something. Let's put some thought into that. that. That'll give your listeners a lot more entertainment than just us being on how the world is screwed. <laughs> I know. And um, I, I've been doing a couple of um, podcasts just quickly um, with some of the, the candidates and spoke to one of the socialists. Yeah. Uh, yesterday, um, yesterday my time, which I don't know when I'm going to publish this one. So anyway, it, it was it was a previous episode, and um, I I thought that we'd have genuine pushback, but some of the stuff I disagreed with, and and you know expressed that to him, but then a lot of the things that actually found agreement with it, and um, you know I'm, I'm hoping that he opened his eyes up a little bit, um, and. That's that's encouraging, and maybe there is something to that kind of horseshoe theory of politics, right? And, and <laughs> yes, <laughs> like you know, the, the core beliefs of the socialists obviously are just you know all that sort of stuff. But um, I think the the modern day socialists are different to the modern day fascists that are in government now, um, and, and all that sort of stuff. They've just got to work on their terminology and understand that. They've been corrupted by the fascists and the Marxists and everything like that as well. Um, but yeah, it's you know I'm, I'm hoping there there is ground to have genuine discussions and and find uh, some yeah. sort of common ground with people that doesn't this, this end up in the destruction of society. Yeah, it's what is so desperately needed. Mm. Mm. So. Reinstitute. Yes. Conversation. That's it. And anyway, before we start another conversation, um, I think <laughs> we, um, wrap, hey? <laughs> we will wrap it up there. Um, as I said, once again, thank you for joining uh, joining us, Robin, um, and I look forward to having you on um, in the not-too-distant future. I look forward to that too. Okay. All right. Thanks a lot and bye for now.
Bye for now. Thank you for listening to this episode of The Fifth Estate, the news behind the headlines. Until the next episode of The Fifth Estate releases, we'd love for you to leave a review wherever you go to for quality podcasts. And we'll keep holding those in power in check.